Welcome to Picture Book Path, a podcast for picture book writers and illustrators with questions about self-publishing. I'm Aijun. And I'm Phil. We're two experienced image makers on a new journey to publish independent picture books. There's no real map and we don't know everything. But we're asking questions and traveling this path to find answers. Come Come explore explore with with us. Hey, I drunk. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I guess I should have answered that question first before I asked <laughs> you how you were doing. I'm doing well. <laughs> um, so Phil, how's the progress on your book? Uh, slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not the thing that I am currently doing for money. It is yeah. the thing I am doing for maybe the promise of money later. Um, <laughs> so money things are taking yeah. precedent. But I have decided which book that I am going to work on since oh, our last podcast. Nice. So, um, I need to do a couple more revisions on that. And then um, I'll, this week coming up, while I'm doing some revisions, I will start character designs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. How about so revi- you? Revisions oh. on the text, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, great. Congratulations for choosing your story. That must feel Thank you. pretty good. Does yeah, it feel does it feel good to have made that decision? Yes, because now I can just move forward. That decision's yeah. made. It's now done. Yeah. Now it's next, right? Yeah. Um, and this is the time in which I get to explore a lot. I get to design the characters, and as I design characters, see if that's going to affect the way that I revise. Does the look of the character change the way the story is told? Cool. And also, um, I just wanted to say that deciding on your story, it is an important decision because you're going to invest a lot of time into it, a lot of energy. Uh, And so it's not an easy or light decision to make. Um, So in my world, I just finished... Well, mostly finished my second double page spread. For people who don't know, double page spread is just the when you open your book, you have you know two sides, um, so it's the two pages. So it's my second one. I have in the book. There's a total of fifteen double page spreads and two single page spreads. So still have a long way to go, but. I really I'm enjoying it and yeah. it feels really good to work on it. So congratulations on finishing that spread. Thank you. <laughs> it really, you know, getting those done, it really kind of solidifies the look of the thing. Right. And yeah. kind of can propel you towards finishing. Yeah. It makes it feel more real. Whereas everything I've been doing up till now has been real, but it's been rough sketches, dummies, designs, and now it's like, this is what people are going to see. This is what I see um, on the page. So it's, it, it's very motivating. And I think one thing that I felt through this is that there are times when I feel really overwhelmed. Like one day I was like, I'm just going to, you know, rough in all the final drawings for the entire book. And I, and I was like, I can't do that. I, I would like be paralyzed if I tried to do that right now. So I'm actually just roughing in the finals and painting as I go, maybe doing a, like a little bit more ahead of time. But I think this process is definitely showing me that you have to think about the totality of your book, but you, you have to go step by step. 
if right. you if you don't go, I mean, obviously you have to go step by step, but think about it step by step too, because you can just like go crazy, freak out. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I think overwhelmed I by the enormity of it. Yes, it's such a but, big project. <laughs> but I also think that that shows um, how all of our creative processes are different because mm-hmm. I will do all the drawings before yeah. I do any of the final paintings. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's, that's smart. A, <laughs> I it's a thing that should. I need checked off, right? In yeah. my head, I'm like, okay, that's that's that step. Yeah. I I actually wanted to do that, but I felt like if I did that, I really needed the motivation of having the finished painting to inspire me to keep going. And and um, for me, the drawing part is the hardest part. It There's so many decisions that go sure. into making a book and um and the drawing part is like building up this structure and for me that it takes so much energy that often I'll like I'll draw a bit and then I'll just have to take a nap <laughs> like um, yeah it's definitely the probably the the most the heaviest thinking load yes for me okay good i'm glad you agree cuz i think some people i think i was either listening or reading about a comic book artist who was saying that their favorite thing is the drawing. And I'm like, I know that's really important, but that's not necessarily my favorite thing. Um, because it's just, it requires so much thought. I don't like drawing. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am. Well, I do there, like drawing, but you know. Yeah. 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 And there are, there are favorite parts that are going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't like drafting when writing. I don't mm-hmm. like putting the words down the first time, but I love revising. Once I have something, I will yeah. hack away at it and change things and move things around. I love that process. <laughs> I love deleting words I've written and replacing them. But yeah. faced with the blank screen of like the initial words, that's the hardest for me. You know, I found that I actually do enjoy revising and I didn't think I was someone, I didn't know I liked revising, but I, I do. And I don't necessarily love writing the first draft, but I'll do it knowing that I'm going to revise it. So I just yeah. get it out as best as I can. I'll leave blank spots if I don't know everything. Sure. And it just yeah, makes just... coming back to it so much easier. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with like taking those steps rather than this has to be perfect on the page right away. Right. Just knowing that there's steps like, I don't know, I guess that's sort of comforting in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, this week is our first interview. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to be talking to Allie Fouts. Allie is a children's storyteller um, that's entertains thousands of kids with her original stories and songs. She's known in Virginia as the story lady. And she enjoys traveling to schools and libraries and bookstores to encourage children uh, to read and to use their imagination. When she's not telling tales, Allie teaches music and movement, theater, and dance classes. Um, so this idea of her performance runs all the way through her entire career. And I'm really excited to talk to her about how that's affected her writing. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Excellent. Well, shall we... Uh, Get Allie in here. Yeah, so let's get Allie on here. Yeah, Allie. <laughs> Hello. Hello there. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Just to kind of get started a little bit and to um, give everybody 
a little more of an idea of your journey? Um, well, you know, when I was younger, um, I, uh, taught dance and I was in theater and musical theater and had an artsy creative background. Then when I went to college, um, I taught dance, um, dance theater, things to help me pay for college, but I took a whole different path and went into journalism. And I studied communication studies and theater and did factual writing um, for about 10, 12 years. And so I was a television producer, reporter, all of those things. And then in that time, I slowly started to miss the creative side of the writing and sort of that creative side of me and eventually got out of uh, television, became a mom and slowly got back into creative writing, um, performing. I started teaching dance again. The um, dance led to um, some storytelling and um, through the girls' preschool, I actually started doing some storytelling and uh, the director one day was like, you know, you should do this. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, and the sort of ideas started flowing and I started um, thinking about doing storytelling, children's storytelling as a business and um, eventually became the story lady. And um, so I've been doing that for um, about uh, 10 years now, um, the storytelling side of it. I visit preschools, libraries, festivals, uh, birthday parties, you know, things like that as the story lady. And I tell stories, I sing songs, um, poems, everything is mine originally. Um, I write everything. And um, after a few years of that, I started thinking about uh, the idea of, of self-publishing. And that really was a growing thing around that time too. And um, eventually uh, started self-publishing and I now have four books, um, three picture books and then a resource book that's a compilation of um, some of the songs and poems that I perform and use in teaching because I also um, teach music and movement classes for preschoolers. So the idea of being the story lady, it, it kind of grew naturally out of things that you are already doing that came natural to you. Yes, yes. And I, um, th there's a story that I have on my website, and I remember this day vividly. I was subbing at my daughter's preschool, and I had just done, like I had read a story, and I always when I read stories, I did silly voices. I tended to move around and the book would move around or I'd tell the kids to make sound effects that went with whatever was happening in the story. And I, that was just a natural thing for me. And um, this little boy, hi, storyteller lady, is what he said as he was like walking by me in the hallway. Aww. And I was like, oh, storyteller lady, that's a name. And so the story lady kind of came from that. <laughs> You were saying that you had done that for a while before you started thinking about even publishing your first book. Yes, yes. And with all of the stories that I would perform, I always, if it wasn't a full-fledged, I always had an, at least an outline on paper and some of it's improv and, you know, the stories are never the same necessarily when I go perform it. Sure. Um, after a few years, there were some stories that, I would start to write and, you know, I wasn't sure that they would be great performed, but I thought, oh, with some pictures, you know, it'd make a great book or vice versa. You know, now I have some stories that 
always get a great laugh in person. And I've tried and tried for several years. Like there's one with a turkey and I actually have a turkey puppet. And he, the turkey sings. And so I'm like, gobble, 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 gobble. you know, and I make all these silly things. It's really hard to get that operatic gobble turkey sound on paper, like how to right. <laughs> you know, write it. Um, so, you know, I've been kind of, yeah, I've been toying with the, you know, some stories on paper, will it translate um, from performing to paper and, and vice versa. Um, like a typical show is uh, have an opening song and ending song. There's a poem or other song that sort of fits the theme. If, if it's a, um, like today I, I did one of my first shows since the COVID-19 hit. I was oh. so excited to be there. Um, <laughs> had to feel good but, to get back to it. Oh, it did. And to see their little faces, it was, it was incredible. Uh, but it's June. So today's poem was in, it's called in June, but I wouldn't do in June for a fall show. <laughs> right. So, you know, so the poem or song will follow that theme. Then there's a main story that I tell using our imaginations. And then now that I have the books, the story session will end with a special reading of the book. So it's like, there are two stories really for most shows, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And we should um, mention to listeners that, um, so Ali has a website and I've been, we've both been looking at her videos on there. I have not seen you perform live, but uh, you're really amazing. You're, you're, you seem very confident, approachable, and you move your whole body and you get the kids to move, which is really cool. I was curious as a shy person, <laughs> Um, or for all those shy people out there, how do you, you know, how do you feel about that? And what tips would you have for people that maybe have trouble with presenting in front of an audience? I'm kind of a kid when I'm with the kids and that might be part of it. <laughs> um, I really, I've always been a facial expression person and kids really respond when you know you've got big facial expression when you've got emotion in your voice um so those are kind of two of the big things that i tell people when they're wondering about uh, how to grab attention you know because you can have great visuals in a book and you know beautiful text um but if you want some energy in, in a reading, then you've got to think about your face, think about your vocal inflection. And then I always encourage, some people aren't comfortable with it, but I encourage, you know, some movement. Like when I read, I'm not sitting down. I'm always standing. I might move the way the character moves. I might have the kids move the way the characters move. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, you know, loud moments, soft moments. And and really, it's just about jumping in there and knowing that they're going to love just connecting with you and that book. And, you know, if, if it's a book you've created, then mm -hmm. you already have a, a big heart for it, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to get that across to them so that they love it the way you love it, too. And you mm -hmm. just have to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, talking about self-publishing um, and, and all of this, I just, I just love, I love what I do as a storyteller and I, 
you know, I had, um, it was mostly with poems and things first that people were asking like, can I, you know, have that on paper so we can use it again in a classroom or something like that. And um, when it came to deciding whether to self-publish the books or try to um, do traditional publishing, I kept coming back to my love for the work and um, being able to control how things unfolded with, with the publishing. Um, and then the expediency of it. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I may <laughs> act a little younger, but oh my goodness, time is flying by. And we yeah. are so fortunate to be in this time of our lives where self-publishing exists and mm -hmm. you have this option to jump in and do something that you believe in. And I, you know, I just really, I, I wanted to do it because I love what I do. Awesome. Yeah. The, the timing is not getting any younger is one of the things that we discussed last <laughs> week or in our first episode. Yeah. It's just yeah. how long traditional publishing can take. Mm -hmm. And, and not that self-publishing is uh, fast. Um, you know, with most of my books, depending on the writing, you know, it took at least a year. Um, but, and I haven't, I don't know much about the traditional published world. Like I haven't been in it. I've researched it, but I haven't been in it. But, you know, from everything I read and from friends who have been published, you know, it can be several years from the time you get the contract to when you actually see that book. And, um, you know, that's something to consider when you're debating. Yeah. You mentioned your first book that you brought out. Um, how has self-publishing changed, do you think, between the time from your first book until your latest book? Um, I definitely think there, the stigma um, has loosened or there isn't as much of a stigma now as there was. That was um, 2014. Um, I think there are more resources to help people come up, not come up with, but create a professional, well-done, self-published, you know, product. Um, and that's a big part of it, too, is you've got to seek out the resources to help you make it the best it can be. Because, you know, one of the things that um, leads to the sort of looking down on self-publishing is there are some books out there that um, have, you know, poor grammar or, you know, weren't edited or mm -hmm. um, maybe were put together too quickly. And um, it's so important to have those tools. And I think that there are a lot more of those tools now. Um, people who can uh, you know, editor certainly, but people who can help you with the design, the formatting of the book, um, people who can um, help, you know, decide on the marketing or help guide you with the marketing. And um, there are all of the um, technical tools for, uh, I'm trying to think, oh, like things you don't think about. So the ISBN, um, you know, there was a whole thing about do you take the ISBN depending on which printer you go with? Do you take their ISBN? Do you buy your own block of ISBNs? And so once I had done that and decided, okay, I'm buying my own block of ISBNs, um, then I had the book and it's like, oh, 
how do you get that thing on the back cover and how do you make it into a, um, uh, what do you call it? Barcode. barcode well, yeah. guess what? There's a, there are a bunch of places on there that you can get the barcode and <laughs> they take you through the steps. And, um, you know, there's a great site that offers it for free and, you know, different things like that. But, um, so those tools I think are a lot better and more of them since 2014. And then, like I said, the stigma has kind of, you know, it's, it's changing. Sure. I, I have a question about the barcodes. You said a block of barcodes? Yes. So I chose to do the, um, you buy, I think it was 10, 10 at one time because it was cheaper. It was just more financially, um, it, it was smarter to do it that way because I knew it wasn't a one and done job that I was going to, I had plans to do more books and it was mm -hmm. cheaper to buy a block of them rather than just one. Um, and then I had done the research on, um, you know, the benefits of it being your own barcode. You're not connected to one printer with that book, you know, things like that. From what I've read with ISBNs that um, if you want to try and go wider with distribution and that sort of thing, depending on who you go through, you should have your own ISBNs rather yeah. than and, getting and the free it, one that, some like Amazon gives you say. Yes, exactly. Um, because then it's yours. And again, it, it's back to you're in charge, you're in control and it's not connected any, you know, anywhere else. So when that, you know, people look up that number or, you know, whatever need to access it, it's, it's going to come back to, um, you know, however you're publishing, like my, um, um, my, mine is artistic endeavors, um, press. And so mm -hmm. that's what um, the, the name is for the, you know, my publishing. Cool. Um, right. Your, your yeah. imprinter. Yeah. Imprint. But if that's you say, if you use Amazon's free barcodes, Amazon is the publisher of record. And in the U.S., it's ISBNs are handled by Bowker, I believe. Mm -hmm. is that yeah. And they, and they do. It's a really, um, the, like I said, it was, you buy 10 and it's a great, price for the 10 versus, you know, buying a new one each, each time. And they're easy to use too. That's one of the, oh my goodness, there have been so many um, things I have had to teach myself along this road. And, <laughs> and that was one of the easier ones once I found the website. And with picture books, they're a collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're working with other people to say, do your illustration. And can you talk a little bit about working with illustrators, like how to say find one or how to communicate with them about what you want, that kind of relationship that you have to build? Yes. Um, so it's important to, for me, it was important to establish a partnership and have um, a common vision um, creatively. But one of the first things I did with all of the books is I, I have a contract and um, I sought out help from, um, and you know, you both are illustrators, so yeah, you won't yeah. have to do this, but for me and for others out there that aren't talented in that way at all, stick figures, I can't even do, um, it was important to have the contract so that, you know, everything is out on the table about how things will be, um, 
just across the board, you know, financially, how is it going to work? Is it going to be a work for hire project? Is it, are they going to share in the royalties of the book? Um, you know, that upfront, everybody knows how it's going to happen. Um, so that's sort of the business side, the contract. And I did that with all of the books. And then, you know, for the rest of it, it was about um, deadlines and um, vision and, um, you know, where we wanted the book to go as, as a partnership. And um, I've, I've worked with some great illustrators. Um, the, the first book, um, No More Sleeping, Sarah Sue, I worked with an illustrator named Carolyn Shalmo. And I found her um, because she was already um, established in our area. Um, our children had gone to school together. She was an active artist, had done some books. And then um, for the uh, next few books, I worked with um, an artist named Sarah Greer. And our partnership started um, because she um, had gone to school for art, but wasn't doing it actively and was interested in, in sort of tapping into her creativity again, you know, similar to how I sort of was out of the creative mode, sure. got back into it later. Um, so the first time we worked together was the, um, my black and white book that was a resource book um, for teachers and parents. And then the next book was The Butterflies Keep Flying. And that book um, was very dear to my heart. Um, the profits are donated to a nonprofit um, for children. The I guess maybe I should give a little yeah. bit. That, yeah, that actually, that was going to be one of my us. questions. So yeah, go right ahead and tell us. Um, so uh, a friend of mine, her, their daughter was born with a very rare genetic skin disease called epidermal lysis bullosa. And it's hard to say, so they call it EB. And basically, children with EB are called butterfly children because the, the layers of skin, ours have a protein that sort of keeps the, the layers together. And children with EB are missing that protein. So this top layer of skin is just kind of laying there. And with friction with the you know any kind of um harsh touching the skin just rips it just tears oh, wow. um there are varying degrees of it um some children grow out of it um ella my friend's daughter has a severe form of it so um she gets the tearing and the um when i'm talking to children about it um at uh, author chats and things. I say they have boo-boos all over their bodies, mm. um, but she gets them like in her esophagus, like the <gasps> esophagus will tear oh, wow. um, with swallowing food. And it's a terribly painful disease. Um, there's no treatment. There's no cure. Uh, they are at risk of infection all of the time. Um, so they have to wrap their bodies, but the wraps are um, super expensive. So, you know, imagine like, like you can't put a Band-Aid. Imagine, mm -hmm. I, I tell children, again, when I'm describing things, I read the book, I take the book to schools, and then we talk about EB afterwards. Um, but, you know, a Band-Aid would rip the skin off of a child. So mm -hmm. they have to put special bandages on their bodies to protect against infection. And those can cost $10,000 a month. <sighs> Um, it's just, oh. it's, it's, it's a terrible, um, yeah. disease. So the book, the purpose of the book, and I shared this with Sarah and, you know, our hearts were just, we want to do something. 
um, was to raise awareness about EB. And um, Ella, at that point, was eight or nine. And I talked to her about some ideas that I had for a story. And the concept was, if you could be, like, she's a butterfly child, right? And all, you know, all of the children identify with this idea of a butterfly because a butterfly's wing um, is very delicate and you're not supposed to touch it because it can rip um, the oils from our skin, can um, hurt the butterfly. So if she wasn't a butterfly, what would she want to be? And so this, um, in the book, there's the elephant, the lion, the giraffe, um, the elephant, she would want to be an elephant because the body is so big and people could touch her and climb on her. And, you know, that can't happen now. Um, The lion um, is um, not physically um, intimidating, but the roar of the lion. So it's the voice um, that would get the attention and not, you know, the physicalness of her, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So she and I talked about animals and all of that. We came up with the, the story. And then when I was talking with Sarah, you know, she was just all in, her heart was in it. And um, with that particular book, um, something we haven't talked about is self-publishing. Um, you've, you've got to have money. <laughs> and then for me, um, because I have to hire an illustrator, you guys, mm-hmm. you know, won't have to do that. But for me, I have to have the money for an illustrator. And, you know, I think people are often surprised how much that is because it's, it's, yeah their livelihood and what you need to charge for your, it's your job. Yeah. It's a lot of work too. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, you know, talking a hundred or so We're you know, oftentimes you're talking thousands Mm -hmm. and that's just for the pictures. (laughs) So you have to have, you know, all of the money for everything else. So um, Sarah and I had this partnership and um, what we did though, is I did a Kickstarter campaign for that book. Mm -hmm. Um, and that helped me raise the funds so that I could do the book the way we wanted to do it um, and, and, you know, have, have the money. And then I donate profits um, annually every December um, from that book and um, sometimes some of the other books too, to an agency called Deborah of America. And that is an EB support um, a nonprofit to support families that have children with EB. And um, they provide some of those um, dressings that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that don't stick the to the body. Mm-hmm. Um, they provide education for new families whose, you know, babies have been diagnosed with this. Oh man. Yeah. Um, all of that. So there's got to be so much involved. Oh, it's yeah. It's, it's yeah. a ton. Um, so yeah. So that book, had a special place in my heart and uh, Sarah and I really believed in that. And then, you know, we've kind of kept our mm-hmm. partnership on from there. It's amazing though, that um, being able to use the thing that you're passionate about, the skills that you already have to support uh, a, a, a need, right. That you, you've, you know, the need and you said, Hey, I have these skills that can help support that. And you, put them- yes. And, and you know what you saying that, for years we gave money, but I wanted to do something and, and I didn't know what to do. Like people are often doing, there are Deborah walks, there are, um, you know, different fundraisers that people do for Deborah. And 
I just knew that there was something I, I could do that I wanted to do. I thought about doing like a big um, uh, storyteller show and, you know, the money from the show. And then when the idea of the story started turning in my head, I was like, this is it. This is what I can do. You're exactly right, Phil. And you're, you're continuing to, it's not only a one-time thing. You're continuing to expand the education around it and Mm -hmm. get more people involved in that sort of thing. So it's fantastic. And and I'll tell you what, you guys, um, when you're talking again, going back to the self-publishing and how this all relates, um, you know, you're responsible for your marketing, you're responsible for the book launches, all those things. Um, and the best times I have ever had is the book signing, either the launches themselves, but the book signings where Ella comes with me mm-hmm. because people meet her and she's like a star for the day. <laughs> and, um, it, it's just the best feeling watching her sign the books and, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. Wow. It's, it's good. It's empowering. Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's the response from children when they hear the story? Um, you know, they always have all kinds of questions about her because there is a picture of her. There's information about E.B. at the back of the book, and then there's a picture of her. And I was actually thinking the other day, another one of those, you're in control. Um, it's she, She's older now, and I'd like to do, and she, you know, would like to do a, an updated picture. Mm-hmm. And so that's something mm-hmm. I'd need to go back into um, you know, do all the technical stuff to do that and get it. But it's something you can do because there aren't 10,000 copies sitting in a warehouse somewhere. That... <laughs> yes. See, there you go. Yeah. The pros and cons. Uh, so is it print on demand is what you yes. uh, chose? Okay. Yeah. And I, um, I used create space, which no longer exists. Um, that was merged with um, KDP um, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, but I originally started create space because that was the one where there's no upfront costs, um, no annual fee. They sort of take their cut, if you will, when everything Mm -hmm. is done and the book is printed. Um, and that for me financially was the best option. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are different issues with that. Uh, they didn't do paperback. So then I also have to do the hardcovers. Um, I do them through Ingram Spark. Um, so, you know, had to learn all of those things. Um, oh, so you said they, yeah. they only do paperbacks, but Ingram does hardcover. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if, um, and then, so, you know, there are a lot of things, again, everybody needs to do their research and decide what's best for them. But there are a lot of issues with the, you know, big Amazon and (laughs) all the other distribution. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, the benefits of Amazon, you know, you've got your Kindle ebook stuff. You've got your paperback and, and direct link to Amazon. But if you want hardcover, you have to go somewhere else. Um, but then you want that option to be on Amazon. So you have to, you know, pick which, um, uh, what is it called? Expanded distribution. Do you want that through Amazon? Do you want, you know, do you want to say no for that so that you're doing that through another distributor and uh, it gets all (laughs) populated, but, um, you know, you have to look into all of, all of that as well. Um, 
And expanded distribution is the way that you get into, say, bookstores or libraries yes. or that sort of thing, right? Like Correct. people can order your book. Correct. Which which is harder for um, self-published works. It just is. One of the things that really helped me is is the performing that I already had the the story lady you know, image out there. I already had connections at schools, um, but I also, you know, had connections at uh, Barnes and Noble and um, the little bookshop, you know, here in Midland, you know, different places like that where they knew me already. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I would go and, uh, oh, hey, you're doing a performance, you know, let's do, let's show some books kind of thing. Right. You know? So, so in a way you were, just by doing your work previously, your job, you're building out that platform that has been helping you make those connections to launch books. Yes, yes. And, and that was a big part of what did propel me to, you know what, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's jump in. Because I knew I had that already built in. Because that is one of the biggest hurdles for some people is um, getting the connections out there and, and finding places to be to mm -hmm. get the book out there. So it actually, it, you're a good person to ask, like, how do people find, um, say, speaking engagements or performing engagements, school visits, festivals, that sort of thing? Like, do you have any advice on, get, on getting those? Yeah, I would say um, you've got to research festivals, venues where you can set up a table. Um, for those kinds of things where you can sell the book yourself. Um, most of the time you're, you're probably going to make a higher profit when you're selling it yourself um, versus getting the royalty, um, you know, from the other places. Um, so finding venues where you're comfortable to, you know, set up shop and sell. Uh, finding venues for me, venues where I could perform and then they would let me sell. Mm -hmm. um, and then really I have postcards that I mail out and give out that have um, my storytelling information and then have pictures of all the books. And I've just added, you know, the books as I've gone um, and, and, and word of mouth. And, and you really have to be, one of the things I do find difficult is, you know, I can send out postcards, I can send emails. Um, that, that's something else too, is establishing a good email list and then periodically sending out, um, you know, whether it's every quarter sending out a little blurb, hey, I have a new book coming out or hey, um, I'm going to be at this festival, you know, come see me, things like that. Um, to continually keep your name out there, keep the book titles out there, that kind of thing. Uh, so what's next for you? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I, right now I have two teenagers and I, to be honest, have slowed things down a little bit because that world is rocking my world right now. Mm. And so <laughs> the work, the writing, um, I'll just admit it. I'm not writing as much as I would like because there's just so much stuff going on. Um, well, the but, world is also the world right yeah. now. Yes, that is very true. Yes. Um, but I right now am thinking about trying to do the traditional route 
um, oh. being one of those. I think you guys talked about it in your first podcast, the hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. You know, um, and for me, some of it is the financial side that I've, I'm not sure I can invest what I need to invest up front to, you know, get things going. Um, the other thing is um, I have several stories in the works that I, I do think maybe would be better suited for the traditional route, just with how things would come together. Um, but that's something I'm thinking about. And, um, I, but I need to get, as they say, to be in the seat every day and <laughs> get back to more of that writing. And it hasn't, it hasn't been there for me right recently, but I'll, maybe this podcast will um, <laughs> start me. Well, hey, if we can help in any way. <laughs> I'm jumping way back, but um, I was curious if you had hired, uh, besides hiring an illustrator, did you also have an editor or any, did you hire any other people? Oh, so good. That That's the best. And that is super important. Absolutely. Yes. You have to have a team, right? Um, so yes, there, um, there was an editor that I worked with. I had, um, a friend actually who's in marketing and he, um, okay. So full disclosure with the very first book, I jumped all in you guys <laughs> and I taught myself in design Mm -hmm. I tried to do everything that I possibly could to save money and, and make things work. Yeah. And I'm a creative soul. And, and I, I did teach myself, but there were so many things that I wanted to do that I couldn't make things do. Like I wanted the letters um, to move in a circle on the, or not move, but, you know, be in a circle <laughs> on the paper and things like that. And I could not make it work. And so I had gone to him and he helped me with that. And then in the end, he helped me get the whole formatting. And oh, so he was more like a graphic designer then? Yes, yes. Okay, more visual. But you didn't necessarily have an editor for the writing? I'm just no, curious. No, I did. No, I oh, did. You did oh, also. oh, so important. That and critique group. Yeah. If, if anybody comes away with anything from our chat, it's, you know, you want it to be the best it can be and the most professional, you know, best product. And that starts with, you know, writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting over and over again through critique from a writing group, um, from editor, um, to make sure that that text is where it needs to be is, is really important. I mean, it is a lot. It is expensive to have to hire people. Yes. Yeah. As well as like printing costs, although print on demand, I guess is not as. Um... Yeah. So if you want me to touch on that, you know, quickly, like a, um, to give people an idea. So the resource book I talked about that has sort of my poems and, and songs in it for parents to, and teachers to use with children, that's a black and white mm -hmm. book. And that's the Smiles and Wiggles one. Smiles and Wiggles, yeah. Okay. A Year of Imaginative Fun. <laughs> that book, so um, to print, depending on the pages, it can be 2 to $3 to print one of those. Mm -hmm. That's black and white. If you're doing a color book, you know, depending on the number of pages, those to print for paperback, 
um, like 350 to 425, 450. Hardcover, you're talking 10 to $11 to print. Mm -hmm. Now the kicker with it that you again have to keep in mind because the numbers start adding up and I'm not good with numbers, um, shipping. If you are ordering those for yourself, so this isn't somebody ordering it on Amazon and you're getting a royalty. If you are ordering a shipment of books, 50 books, 100 books to be sent to you so that you can take it to a bookstore or you can take it to a festival, you've got to add in the shipping <laughs> into that sort of overall cost because you can forget about that and, and then it could be $65, you know, tacked on to whatever the price was, you know, to for shipping. So it's better to to ship a bunch at once rather than like just a few at a time. Yes. But then I will add to that <laughs> another, this is something I could have mentioned earlier. That's another reason why I'm, I've been thinking about traditional publishing. I have gotten so exhausted by getting a shipment of books and having, so for example, I, I ordered a shipment of 50 of my last book, let's count and move and 38 of them were okay for mm. resale. Yeah. Oh no. A huge chunk of them had a line uh. through the middle on several pages. Um, uh, in the printing yeah. or in the sh from the shipping? No, in the print, it was printed. Yeah. Oh, printing. so just the printing was not good. Yes. And, and the only reason I know is because I know from experience and now I never put sell any book unless I've gone through an entire shipment. And, and if you order a hundred books, you know, for an event or something, that's a hundred books I have to go through every oh, single day. Right. Yeah. Um, that has gotten very frustrating for me. Um, one time, not one time, actually two times I've had the front cover as the back cover and then you open it up and like the middle and one time I had pages from another book. Oh, oh my goodness. Just one, like this one in the shipment, but I was like, what would happen if I wasn't checking? You know? yeah. But do you, can you report those and get a refund? Yes. Shipment. So okay. there is always a way, but that takes time. Yeah. Right. Um, or create space. They would make you take pictures of every single one to prove. Uh, and then yeah. if it was over a certain number, I don't remember now, but it may have been if it was over 10 books, they'd make me send them back. So then you'd have, cause you know, they want to make sure people aren't scamming them. Yeah. Um, and so I'd have to take pictures. They'd have to say, Oh, okay. That is our fault. Not yours, you know, whatever. But yes. So that's a whole other part that I've just got really tired of <laughs> yeah i understandable i jung and i are kind of early on our self-publishing path when it comes to picture books mm -hmm. is there one kind of piece of advice or one thing you learned along the way that you kind of thought oh i wish i would have known that early on or this is what people that are new to this should know Um, you know, I thought about this and I had, I, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, um, well, a, a small thing is setting the goals. Like once you make the decision and I, I think for some people that, you know, it takes a while, but once you make the decision, setting the goals for yourself, whether it's deadlines, um, whether it's, you know, reaching certain things at certain times to make sure that you follow through with it. 
um, with the first book, I had some deadlines, um, but I, and I, I had a plan and I had deadlines, but I think I needed that overall, this is, you know, this is where we're going to start. This is where we want to end and plotting things out and then making sure you meet those goals, those deadlines. I, I just think that's important because when you choose to be an indie author, self-publish, it's, it is, it's you, you are in control, but then again, you are in control. It's you. Um, and right. you've got to, you know, you want to succeed. You, you don't want to let yourself down, you know, shall I say? And, um, uh, you just, you know, set those things, meet those goals. And then you, you do, you just got to jump in and do it. Mm -hmm. I have one more question and sure. that is if you could, name or just uh, describe a moment in your self-publishing path that I know you said you're looking towards traditional now, but yeah, what has made self-publishing worth it? Like what is a moment? Uh, ooh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't prepare you with that question. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm sure there's many moments. So just one. <laughs> I think to go back so this is, you know, the butterfly book was the third book, but going back to the book launch for that book, seeing Ella in her element, seeing people meet her, buy the book, read the book, learn about EB, and that day seeing all of that transpire, I just was like, you know, this would not have been possible had I tried another route. Like this, this story would have been sitting for a while and possibly forever because, you know, what publisher is going to want to pick up a book where you right away say, hey, we're going to give the profits away, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, um, and I mean, you know, who knows, but it, it, it happened because of self-publishing that we could get the word out about EB, that Ella could have that magic in her eyes that day um that just that whole that day that that did it and i knew mm -hmm. that i had made the right decisions with that and once i accomplished that book you know then when i started thinking about the next ones i was also again thinking about what's something that i want that's going to have impact and let's count a move you know, has the, the counting lesson in it, but it's the movement part two. And, you know, for me, kids are little and their bodies are made for moving. And oftentimes we're asking them to kind of sit still and listen. And, you know, that book allows them to have the beauty of reading with the learning of the counting with the wonderfulness of moving around, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Allie, thank you so much for spending so much yeah, time with thank us today. You. We really appreciate mm -hmm. it. All of the knowledge that you've shared. Um, thank you for all your generosity. So, Ijun, that was really fun talking to Allie. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Yeah, she had so many interesting things to talk about. Like, um, what what is something that you're going to take away from this or that you learned this week? Well, one thing I was interested in, 
before we interviewed her was just how she approaches storytelling because she's a performer and it comes naturally to her as well as having, you know, background in it. So just thinking about it as, as something, as a shy person, thinking about it, someone with stage fright, you know? <laughs> um, but so yeah, the, the idea of performance, the idea of showing facial expressions, I'm actually realizing because lately everyone, we're all on Zoom a lot and um, I'm seeing my face a lot. And I, you know, for our podcast, I had to draw a self-portrait. I'm looking at myself a lot, which is kind of <laughs> weird and, and noticing like, oh, I don't, my smile sometimes might not even translate as a full smile. <laughs> like I smile kind of small and just realizing, like, having that cognizance of how you come across to other people it can matter when you're um, trying to reach them. And it seems simple, but, um, but that's something I wouldn't have thought about as much. Sure. And I think that for her coming out of a theater background too, right? That idea of projecting to the back row, mm-hmm. right? That's not only just voice, but that's facial expressions and yeah. that's body movements and things like that. And your energy. So that's something right. to keep in mind. Um, yeah. I, 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 was interested in how she was talking about how she slowly platformed out basically like to use some of the like industry nomenclature this <laughs> idea that she was already doing something and mm-hmm. she used that thing to springboard to the next thing you know there was this yeah. natural growth to her performing leading towards the writing and that sort of thing um right. and it makes me wonder what am i doing already that I can use mm-hmm. um, that just is natural to me that I hadn't thought that I could use previously in my own storytelling or in my next steps. Yeah. You know, just to cause some introspection and to, to question that about myself because there might be something there that I'm not even aware of. Right. Like a talent or something you enjoy that you could do more of. Right. Or a way that I'm thinking about something or yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that in um, people's careers, or not even necessarily careers, because some people don't always do things for profit, but it's right, still absolutely. an important part of their life, um, that these things do evolve and unfold in their, own, in their own time and in their own ways. But there's usually a seed of that um, in the beginning somewhere. Sure. So. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you for hanging out with me again. Yeah, thanks. I look forward to doing it again in two weeks. <laughs> it's been fun. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, as always, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at picturebookpath at gmail.com. We're always open to suggestions of topics or guests or anything else you want to talk about. Picture Book Path is hosted by Idron Kim and Philip Hilliker. We can be reached at picturebookpath at gmail.com. Our music is by scotthomesmusic.com. <laughs>